Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Well, I mean, she hated her husband. She hated her husband. So she basically got her husband to pay me for the renovation of her house, and he wasn't too happy about that. So the bill was a bit higher than he thought, which I think made her happy, actually. Welcome back. Nicholas James is a London plumber. He's going to take us into the homes of the outrageous, the entertaining and the extraordinary clients he's worked for over the years. You're about to hear some stories from the building site. Before we get started, go and make the most of the deal Athletic Greens has given you for supporting the podcast. I started taking AG1 by Athletic Greens because I was short on time and just wanted better gut health, more energy and a stronger immune system. Take it as soon as I wake up so my body has the best chance to absorb the 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, probiotics, and adaptogens. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs for your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy. Again, that's athleticgreens.com forward slash Andy to take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Plus, you'll be supporting the podcast as well. And if your company or workplace is looking for a new way just to make some noise, our productions company is working with clients to create podcasts and visual content. We do everything from the formation of the idea, recording, editing, and publishing. Plus, we film and edit the podcast for you to repurpose the content for social media and we can come to you and record from your place. For more information, email me, andy at podroproductions.com. Hope you enjoy the episode. Nicholas James, thanks for coming on the show. That's all right. Thank you for having me. One of your first jobs involved an ice plug. Yes. How does that work? So basically, it, it's, it, it's a thing that you... I, mean, I couldn't... Normally, in if you're changing something off, you turn the water off to get to it. But it was in a big block of flats, right? And the stopcock to the main building was inaccessible. It was in a locked room at the top of the top of the block. And the guy with the key wasn't available. So I thought, well, it's only I'm gonna change a stopcock, it'll be fine. I only had to move it sort of two feet. So there's a thing you can do, which is you can freeze the pipe. So you can you put a sleeve around the pipe put a load of gas onto it that basically freezes it and gives you about 20 minutes to do whatever you have to do. Right? And I thought this was quite a good idea. Yeah. It sounded like that would solve the problem. Right? So I did it and then I cut the pipe and I realized that it was an imperial pipe, not a metric pipe, which means that the fittings I had with me didn't fit. So suddenly I got 20 minutes and i've got nothing to be able to you know close the pipe up when it when the ice plug melted oh shit so that's how that's how so then i had to run that to go and find i mean it's a silly thing it's something called an olive which is very very it's just a thing that sort of grips the pipe that takes the fitting to it and the olive i had was and it's a minuscule amount amount of difference but it's um it will leak and it will leak quite badly um, unless you have the right olive. And the olive's nothing. You know, it's like 20p. Right. Right. But I didn't have one. So I had to run like 10 minutes to this plumbing merchant. It's a big queue. I had to kind of barge past everyone, <laughs> apologizing profusely. 
ask for this olive. The guy helped me out. He gave me one. I threw some money at him and I ran back. And as I got back, it was literally just about to, I mean, I think it was water sort of just starting to drip off the end of the ice plug. And, um, and that was it. And I managed to get the thing on and it was, it was all very dramatic. <laughs> what would have happened if the ice plug had melted? I'd have flooded the place. I'd, well, or I'd have had to get the guy with the, to get access to the stopcock in the top of the building to turn it off. But I couldn't get a hold of him. So, so you were just racing against time, against time to try and stop this flat from flooding. That's right. Well, not only the flat, it was a top floor flat. It would have the whole building. So that's when I learned you just don't take the risks. <laughs> Jesus. You know, Let's talk about your team because your team is full of characters, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Ryan, he's, yeah. you talk about him being an accidental plumber. Can you tell me about him? No, no. He was a plumber. He'd been a plumber for about 15 years, 15, 16 years when I met him. I met him on a job. I was doing something. I can't remember what I was doing. I was doing something in Belsize Park in North London and, um, and he was working there. I think he was working on the boiler and I was doing the bathroom or something like that. And we met and I liked him. We got on and we still do get on. And he's a nice guy. But yeah, I mean, he's an interesting, um, yeah. He wasn't very good at, earn, at winning work, you know, because and basically he's an alcoholic. But he always has been an alcoholic. But he's a nice guy. He's a really nice guy. He could be quite unreliable at times, couldn't he? Wasn't there an incident with... And breaking up with his girlfriend and almost flooding a house. Can you tell me that? Well, he, he kind of split up with her. He came back, we did a few days work, and then he split up with her. And, um, yeah, and so basically I was filling the system. I, the boiler for the, uh, for the flat was outside. It was in a sort of, un, it was in a sort of basement, but you accessed it from a, from a door outside. And it was really sort of um, low. It was only like four feet deep. And it was just high enough for us to get the flue out of the, you know, above ground. And we put the boiler in there. So I said to him, I will fill the system up. Well, we'd finished, you know, hanging everything, getting everything done. I'll fill it up and you bleed all the radiators inside. Right? Which is what you do. That's how you sort of set a central heating system. And so he was inside. I was outside sort of lying down in this basement, filling up their system with the filling you. And I, I, after about, I don't know, five, ten minutes, something like that, I, I noticed that there, was n- th- that there was no pressure in the system. I was like, well, this is bizarre. So I kind of crawled out of this kind of thing. I crawled out and went up. And, and Ryan, was, he wasn't there. He was having a chat with his ex-girlfriend, or the girl that he was just about to pick up his ex-girlfriend, at the bottom of the garden. I'm like, Ryan, what the hell are you doing? And... <laughs> And he was like in the middle of it, a domestic kind of argument. And so I went to go and check that there was no leaks in the in the flat. You know, it was a basement flat. So I was quite, you know, I was quite nervous about it. Anyway, I, I, but he'd left the keys on the kitchen table and, um, and locked and shut the door. It was on a Yale lock. And it had shut. And so I couldn't get in. So I was like, oh, no. So I tried to sort of. I tried to break in. I did loads. I did everything I could to try and get in, and I couldn't get in. So I ended up running um, across um, uh, where I was. It was Harringay, and ran to this local locksmith who I've known for years. Um, he also is. A, he's also a, yeah. Well, he's a locksmith. He's also a cobbler actually, and um, he kind of came. He took pity on me, um, and he came and he helped me get back in he got this amazing kind of gadget that you kind of put through the letterbox that kind of opened the yale lock um 
And we got in and I kind of ran around it like a sort of fireman going into a burning building, terrified that there's been a leak somewhere. But there hadn't. There were, it was absolutely fine. <laughs> it was absolutely fine. It, it, Ryan had bled all the radiators, but he left the top one open, which is why there was no pressure in the system. And I hadn't, I'd stopped just at the right time. So it was, it was fortunate. It was fine. Um, although I nearly had a heart attack. What would Ryan have to say for himself? Yeah, we had a few words after that. We had a few words. Was that the same place where a guy threatened to call the police on you? Well, yeah, it was actually. But it was like about, that was about six months later. So I, 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 we put this central eating system, or I put this central eating system in. Ryan did about two days on that job. Um, I did it all pretty much. Um, and then about six months later, the, the lady who owns the, owned the flat, she called me and she said, um, you know, we've got water uh, pissing through the ceiling, right? And I thought, oh, my God, you know, can't be anything that I've done because, you know, it's not in the ceiling. I wasn't working in the ceiling. So I told her to turn the water off to the flat, but, you know, I, you know, just to check. Um, and, um, and she did, and it made no difference. And it was like in the middle of the night, I think it was like two or three o'clock in the morning that she called me. Um, and so I ended up getting out of bed and driving over there and I went, I turned the water off to the whole building because there was, there was only one stopcock for the whole building. It's a big house. It's like five stories, I think, four or five stories. And it had four or five flats in it. But they each didn't have their own stopcock. It was just one thing to turn the whole house off. So I, what could I do? I had to turn the turn the water off to the whole house. God, that would have pissed some people off. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened. Because the next morning, everybody else in the building woke up. Getting up to have the showers. Yeah, and there's no water. And of course, they presumed that, oh, you know, Thames water of, you know, is a problem. You know, they turned the water off to the street or something like that. And so, and I, to be fair, I did knock on all their doors <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. And of course, no one answered. You know, and I, I was in a catch-22 situation. What do you do? I can't leave it pissing through the ceiling into the basement flat. So I did what I did. And I, and I thought that was the right decision. Otherwise, they would have, their flat would have been wrecked. Mm. But <laughs> it turned out the guy who lived in the flat upstairs... He was away. He was in Australia. He, they'd called him and they'd left messages for him and he just wasn't getting back to them. And so uh, anyway, I turned up the next morning. I sorted it all out and I ended up calling the cobbler to get me into his flat so I could turn the water, find the leak and turn off whatever was causing it. So he did. right? And so that's what we did. And that was fine until the guy came back from holiday and, of course, we'd change the locks because we'd have to break into his flat. So he's not very happy, you know, understandably. I totally get why he was not very happy. But then, of course, he was even more unhappy when he got in. And, I, you know, he'd been sitting on the doorstep for, for an hour or so because my client had been out. And then he couldn't use the loo because it was the loo that was causing the problem. His toilet, basically, the, it broken and the water was cascading over the top of it into... And that was what's causing it. So I disconnected it. That's how I fixed it. And he was furious and threatened to call the police on me for breaking into his flat. Not only did he not pay you for that. And then, and then refused to pay me. He then calls me in lockdown and he couldn't get a plumber. And exactly the same thing was happening to him. But he didn't know where the stopcock was outside to turn it off. So I told him to call the police. Ooh. <laughs> 
Chris is the carpenter. Carpenter. Yeah. Then there's Big Pete. Is he the plasterer? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he could only be made in London. Where do you start, really? I mean, what does he look like? Oh, he looks like a monster. Uh, he does. I no mean, wonder like, you called the misfits. And he's like six foot seven. You know, he's got hardly any teeth. He's massive. He's got hands the size of dinner plates. Um, yeah, he didn't really need a ladder to plaster most ceilings. He could just reach it. You know, he's, he's amazing, really. And he's really entertaining to talk to. Yeah, he drinks a lot after work, but doesn't bother me. You know, as long as he does his job, that's fine. Um, and he did. And he was a very good plasterer. He did kind of freak people out when I bring him in. <laughs> you know, but actually, he's a real gentle giant. So, yeah, he fell out. He fell off the, it was a step ladder. It was only like three steps. And he fell off it. He came crashing down. He's a big guy. I mean, he must be 20 stone. And he came crashing down. And we'd, we'd taken up all the floorboards because I was running in all new pipe work. And he kind of fell onto this piece of plywood. It kind of went flipped up. And he ended up stuck between two joists. And he knocked his front tooth. He didn't have many teeth. He knocked out one of the main ones and it was, I could see it on the floor, you know, and I picked it up and gave it to him. It was, you know, underneath, you know, on this kind of, oh. Oh, it was horrible, really. And he turned around to me and he goes, uh, have you got any super glue? No, he didn't. <laughs> he did. I swear to God. You got any super glue? And I went, yeah. And he goes, where? And I said, in my, in my toolbox. And he, he started rooting around in it. And, and I said, what are you going to do with that? And he goes, uh, and stick it back in. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. But he did. He has, that's what he did. He, he took the super glue out. He found it. Stuck it back in. It's one of the front teeth. And that one. It didn't last long. I think he said, I don't do dentists. Did he, he must have gone to the dentist eventually. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did. I think he ended up swallowing it. Yeah, and ended up with like major... Root canals and God knows what. Yeah, swallowing. Oh, you wouldn't have wanted to put it back in. No, pretty horrible. He almost got in a fight with Chris, didn't he? Well, yeah, and yeah, it was my fault. I'd, I'd taken the toilet out the day before, and I should have put it back in. I'd forgotten that I hadn't, and then I had to go to the plumbing merchant in the morning, and there was a queue, and I was late getting there, and you know, and it was all it was all a bit of a pain. And Big Pete needed the loo, and so he'd used Chris's bucket. And yeah, ones or twos, a twos, I think. <laughs> so yeah, I can so, kind of understand why Chris was annoyed at that. Do you know what I mean? Um, but you didn't really, you didn't want really to have a have a fight with Big Pete. It's not a good idea. So Big so. Pete shit in Chris's bucket, yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did clear it out. To be fair, he he didn't even need to have told him. He could have not told him, but he told him because he thought it was funny. But Chris didn't think it was that funny. Oh, Chris, come on. <laughs> Have a laugh, mate. Exactly. Then yeah. you've, got, you've got Fiona, the electrician. Yeah, she was great. I mean, she was a bit scary. <laughs> was it? Tell, tell me about her. Well, she was like, um, I think I call her a sort of, she looks a bit like an East German shop putter. And she was quite misogynistic, actually. She really? Was, yeah, she was. It was just kind of weird, really, considering she was, she was a woman, but she was. And, but, and I always thought that she's, she was like that to sort of try and fit in with sort of the cliched building site banter. Mm. You know what I mean? Which, which we weren't. I mean, none of us are particularly misogynistic at all. But she was quite, she's a real character. Didn't she almost electrocute herself once? It's drilled into a wire in the ceiling. That was quite scary, actually. And she always wore, she always wore these Dr. Martin boots. 
Yeah, and dungarees. Of course she did. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a cliche. It really was. But she was like that. And she, but I mean, they saved her life, I think, because she went. It was quite. It was a three phase supply into this house, so it's quite strong. And she went straight into it. With, and yeah, but she was fine. You know, a bit of chamomile tea. She was fine afterwards. Uh, dogs a problem for you as plumbers because they're, I know they're a big problem for mailmen. Yeah. Plumbers, like you have to go into people's homes quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, they can be. I mean, I've got a dog. I love dogs. Now, Ryan didn't like dogs. Ryan was terrified of them. Um, but I like dogs. And I'm not frightened of them, really. And I've, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them. But yeah, I did a job um, for, for somebody. Well, I kind of, I did a lot of work for her. She was a costume designer. Um, and she she had to travel a lot and she was away and we'd arranged for me to go and put a radiator in for her and she hadn't told me she'd got a dog so I got there I mean she didn't just have a dog she had a massive I mean it was like I, I, it was a German shepherd but it was white it was like a massive white German shepherd it looked like a wolf it was terrifying and so when I let myself in to you know do this work because she wasn't there huge hound came bounding up the stairs and kind of launched at me kind of thought I was breaking in I suppose and so I kind of shut the door and I'm like oh my god and Ryan started freaking out because he hates dogs and yeah it was all quite dramatic really how'd you get around that put a bandana around my head and wrapped a towel around my arm and grabbed a piece of lead pipe and went in to sort of get get the dog away and I managed to do it and I got it down and I, it, I locked it in the kitchen. That was, that's how we did it, um, or I did it. And that was fine until after we'd done the radiator and we needed to fill it up again using the filling loop, like I was saying in the last story. And I had to go into the kitchen. And so I, and I couldn't work with this thing, you know. I mean, it was, yes, it, it was snarling at me. Its lips were all peeling back, you know. It's, it was scary. It was a scary dog. Um, and so I managed, I let it out. I put it in the back garden while I was working in the kitchen. Smart. Yeah, you'd think. Um, and so then I filled it up and, you know, and that was it while it sort of ran around the garden. And, and, and that was it. And, and so I went back upstairs. It was on the second floor where we were working. So when I went back upstairs and we started finishing it all off and, you know, sorting it all out. And then when I came to leave, the dog had disappeared. So I, I kind of naturally assumed, oh, my God, it, it's got out of the garden. You know, it's, I mean, it's a big dog. It probably could have jumped the fence, you know. It didn't have a very high fence around it. Sounds like an expensive dog, too. Yeah, so I was, I was like, and, this, and she was a really good client of mine, and, I, and she was in Los Angeles, mm. right? And, you know, oh, I was just like, oh, no, you know, what am I going to say? You know, oh, yeah, I've put a, your radiator's fine, but, you know, I've lost your dog. You know, it was a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. So he started walking up and all around the place trying to find it. Couldn't find it anywhere. And um, yeah, it was it was it was really really stressful. And and just as I was, we were about to leave, I was about to give up. I spent about an hour circumnavigating Stroud Green trying to find this dog. And um, what was the dog's name? Jesus. <laughs> She's a very funny girl. She's very funny. She is, and I think she kind of liked the idea of having a dog called Jesus, so she could run around going, Jesus, Jesus, come back here. Our next door neighbour growing up had a dog called Please. So he'd be swearing at the dog at the end of each thing. He'd say, Please. Yeah, that's right. My friend of mine had one called Funky. So he could say, Funky, get down. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, anyway, so Jesus, yeah. And of course, Ryan was with me and he's got an Irish accent. So him running around going, 
Jesus, Jesus, where are you, Jesus? The way it finished was um, we were just, I was just about to sort of give up. And the door opened and the dog jumped in. And I'm like, what? How did, how did that happen? And uh, so I opened the front door and there was this girl running, sort of walking down the road. So I went after her to see what was going on, you know. And it turned out that she was the dog walker, the lady whose house it was. She'd employed her to come and walk the dog while she was away. And she didn't tell me that. Oh, no, she didn't even tell you the dog was there. She didn't even tell me, exactly. So that was it. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. There's a story in your book about you going into a house to do a job and the owner leaves, but the son stays behind. Yeah, well, that, that's that's it, basically. I, I went first thing very early in the morning. I think it was 8 o'clock in the morning I got there. She sort of said to me, look, my, my, son's, just, um, my son's just back from uni. Right, and he's a very light sleeper. So just, um, I think I was changing, I needed to change a kitchen tap and fix a loo you know, upstairs. And so he said, J- just be very quiet and, you know, help yourself to tea and coffee, but try not to wake him up, right? You know, and I said, yeah, okay, fine. It shouldn't make much noise doing that. It should be fine, right? So I did. But of course, our son was already awake, well, probably already awake, and he was waiting for his mum to leave <laughs> because he had his girlfriend there but she didn't know that right uh-uh. and of course you know they would they started doing what young people do when their mum's not in the house <laughs> they were having sex yeah basically um how'd you know well i could hear it if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. And it was a really difficult decision. It was a dilemma. You know, what do you do? Do you go, hi, I'm here. I'm working in the house down, changing the kitchen tap downstairs. You better stop doing that. Or do you just think, oh, just shut the door, which I did. I shut the kitchen door and I just got on with what I needed to do. Do you know what I mean? Oh, God. And that was a mistake. I shouldn't have done that. I should have fired up your power drill. Yeah, I should have done something like that. But I didn't need a drill for that. I was just changing the tap. You know, I could do it quietly. And I kind of thought they'll burn themselves out. That'll be it. You know, I'll be fine. And so I did. So I was fine. And they did burn themselves out. (laughs) 
<laughs> Half an LA or? Yeah, so I, I, I can't remember. It happened a couple of times. Well, it happened. And then they, I don't know, I can't remember how long, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And then obviously I had to go upstairs to fix the loo. Right? And they were asleep. So there was no noise coming. So I thought, well, this is fine. And it was a dead simple job. It wasn't going to take me very long. I think I was changing the inlet valve or something like that. And so I just kind of got on with it while they were asleep. And, but then it started again. And only this time, I'm kind of right next door to the bedroom. Do you know what I mean? And then I thought, I've kind of started the problem. I should have, do I then say, uh, you know. Flush the toilet. Yeah. Could, no, I couldn't. I dismantled it. Oh, shit. Couldn't do anything. I could have perhaps turned the bath on or something like that, but I didn't think of that at the time. And I didn't, it was only, it didn't going to take me very long. I thought, well, I'll get on with it. And I, I had a, I was a busy day. I had a lot to do and I had to go. All my other jobs were in quite a long way away and I didn't want to have to stop. I wanted to get on with it and get it finished. And so, so I did. And so, yeah, that was it. And there, but then the girl ended up, she needed... <laughs> She came running across and needed to use the loo just as I was finishing. And so she, I was there, you know what I mean? She was obviously up in arms. You told me there was nobody in the house and, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was, it was quite bizarre in that later on that day, I ended up doing another job, which was for her mum, which was, I mean, you couldn't, yeah, they couldn't, well, I mean, it was in the same area to be fair. So it wasn't that far away. So, I mean, but I mean, there's still, you know, thousand to one chance that that could happen but it did and yeah yeah so she ended up coming out and her mum had been was up in arms about where she'd been all night and you know oh god it was a whole drama so you talk me through how that unfolded that that piece of the story her mum had she'd had this girl and this girl i think was about 15 um was yeah nearly 16 and um and she'd had her with her first partner and she'd gotten remarried she had another partner and she had three kids, I think, with them. And they were all very young. They were, I think they were all under five. You know, so she was pretty strung out, you know. And one of them, they just they just had this um, stone bath. I mean, it was a really nice bath. You know, it would cost a couple of thousand pounds, maybe more, put into their bathroom. And one of the kids had got crayons and had drawn all over it. Well, she was on the phone to her mum, you know, and it, it like graffitied the whole thing. And because it was stone, it's like it was it's this stuff where they, you know, they take stone powder and then they make a bath out of the powder. So anyway, she couldn't get it off. She tried everything. She tried Silic Bang. She tried all the, you know, stuff. She couldn't get it off. Um, and so she called me and asked me, you know, she'd been rec- I'd been recommended to her. And so I went to go and fix it, which I did, actually. You got it all off. I got it off. WD-40. So that's how I got it off. But I was there for about an hour doing it. And then just as I was about to leave, a daughter came back. They were screaming at each other because she'd been out all night and she was only 15, you know. So I could totally understand where the mother was coming from. And they were tearing strips off each other downstairs. And so I finished the job and I came downstairs and I sort of said, you know, hi, can I be paid? And she recognised me. The girl, the daughter recognised me from earlier. Oh, God. Well, then... I was going, we were going to the first ever premiere. We were, we'd been invited, a friend of ours, a friend of my wife and I, there, um, she still works in marketing and she did all the marketing for the film Fifty Shades of Grey. She got some free tickets to go to the premiere. So we went and that's why I was under pressure all day, you know, because I needed to get back. I couldn't, you know, I need to get finished so I could get to go to this thing in Leicester Square. You know, they had a grey carpet that went all the way wow, up to the front. Way. It was amazing. 
That was it. And so <laughs> the funny thing was, was that in that movie, there is a bath. There's a scene where Dakota Johnson gets into this bath. It's the scene where she takes all her clothes off for the first time. And she kind of walks across the room and gets into this bath. Yeah. And I turn to my wife <laughs> at the premiere and I go, that's exactly the same bath. <laughs> so I was cleaning earlier, WD-40. And it was, it really was. And so I thought, well, you know, I'll, I'll text the, girl, the lady and tell her. Right. Well, she, you know, in hindsight, it was not a very good idea. I mean, it was probably stupid. She was having, she was going through, you know, she was strung out. She had young kids. It was, you know, I, I get, um, you know, how difficult that can be. And she had a slightly wayward teenage daughter. And it's probably not a good idea to text her the next day and say, oh, by the way, you know, you're, you've got the same bath as is in Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I but thought she, she'd find it funny. Yeah. But she didn't really find it funny because she was too up to high day with her daughter. You know. And then how did she react to it? She said I should have, that I should have stopped what was going on earlier, that I should have made it clear. Uh, she was very upset that this guy that was sleeping with her daughter. And she pinned it on you. What well, thought? she sort of said I should have, you know, I was an accessory. You know, and I was like, well, I'm, I don't think I am. You know, I, I was just a plumber that had gone in to fix the tap and the toilet. Do you know what I mean? I mean, I suppose you could you could say that if I had powered, like you said, powered up my fat power drill, then maybe a daughter wouldn't have slept with this guy. I don't know. No, you don't take any hit for that. Nah. Well, I didn't think so. I didn't think so, but that's how she saw it. She was upset. And that's, the, that's how the story ends, basically. It's that... I didn't feel that that was fair. I thought, you know, I was just doing my job. It's not my responsibility. But I didn't get paid for the job that I did. And I think that's unfair. And it was around the time where all these kind of things were springing up, like trust a trader and rated people Mm. and all these kind of things. Check a trade. Check a trade and all that. And I kind of thought, well, that's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because it's it's a double-edged sword. Quite often, tradespeople get knocked by people for... Unfair reasons. There's a lady, Mavis, in her doll's house. Yes, that was a an old lady. She lived up in Harrow, and she built she built doll's houses. It was her hobby. That's what she did. But she was very hard of hearing. Right. Well, she was deaf basically, mm. and she, but she had hearing aids, like the old fashioned hearing aids, you know, that stick behind your ears and big kind of things. And she used to have a remote controller which she pointed at you like she was turning you up like the telly, you know. <laughs> um, and when I got there, when I got there, she, her, she, there was a problem with her hearing aids. So I knocked on the door. I'd, I'd arranged to go there through her daughter, actually, um, who was a client of mine. And she'd asked me to go. Because Mavis has had a big bill. She had a big water bill from Thames Water. Right? So that's why I went. And I got there, rang the doorbell, no one answered. You know, knocked on the door. No one answered. So, and I could see her in the house. I could see her through the window. So I kept, but I couldn't get to the window. So I kept jumping up and down outside, like waving my arm. She, yeah, I presume she knew I was coming, right? So she was, and she was just too busy, like putting this doll's house together. And I, I think I was there for like fifteen or twenty minutes trying to get her attention. And eventually, she came out, and it became clear that she couldn't hear anything. Basically, it sounded like she'd left a tap on. Yeah, you could, I mean, it really did. It sounded like she was running a bath, you know. I mean, it was that loud. 
but she couldn't hear a thing. She didn't know. And I said, you know, I think you've got a leak. You've clearly got a leak somewhere. And she goes, really? And there's a whole kind of funny, you know, interchange because she couldn't really hear what I was saying. Eventually we got down to it and, you know, and I said, look, I think you've got a leak underneath your lounge floor. It's a bungalow where she lived. So I'm going to have to lift the floorboards and have a look. Like, cause I'm pretty sure I can hear it. That's where it is. So I took the carpet up, lifted the floorboards, had a look. And I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I mean, it, it was like a swimming pool underneath a house. I mean, it wasn't that deep. It was about three, two or three feet down. I couldn't see very far because of the joists, but it was a lot of water under there. Jesus. And what had happened was this main, the main had split, and obviously she hadn't noticed. So it had just been pissing out underneath the, underneath the floor for God knows how long, which is why she had such a big water bill. And so I turned this, the water off to the house, fixed the leak, and, and that was it. And then I tried to do a deal with her, actually, because my daughter, I think my daughter was about seven at the time, I think I said to her, well, I'll tell you what, I won't charge you for fixing your leak if you give me your doll's house, because my daughter would love that. That seemed like a win-win. And she said yes, but she just wanted to finish it off and then told me about a neighbour that had a problem. So I went to go and fi- help her neighbour to do something while she finished off the doll's house, and then, which was a whole thing in itself. When I got back, she couldn't, she couldn't remember who I was. And it turned out she'd got, she really bad dementia and she just didn't know who I was. So yeah, <laughs> what do you do with that? And it turned out actually that it was a sort of gated community. It was, a, there was a warden at the bottom and they were, they were cutting the, tr- I should have gone through the warden and I, I didn't realise that. So you didn't get paid for any of those jobs? No. <laughs> you see, trust the trade, that's it. You know, this happens. You were using Grinder at one point. <laughs> I wasn't using Grinder. No, now I did do a. Um, I, I had this weird kind of thing. I just finished build. I'd just done a whole string of bathrooms, and I, did, I was about to go on holiday. So I had a. I think I, I. I didn't tend. I didn't like to do a big job and then go on holiday because then I got worried that you know there'd be a problem. And I was going abroad. Actually, I was going to France, and so I left myself a week to kind of, you know, fill in. And I got I got a call from a from a, a guy a gay guy um, who and I'd worked with loads of gay guys before but I got this call from this gay guy he had a problem he was near Archway and uh, and I fixed his um, his cold water tank and um, and I I probably undercharged him it's the truth of the matter I just you know it didn't take me very long it took me ten minutes or whatever and then uh, you know didn't charge him very much money and then suddenly uh, you know for that whole week before I went away. I was kind of inundated with calls, but which it happens. That does happen. You can, you know, you do a job for somebody and then they tell all their friends and, you know, and it sort of goes, you know, virally on social media or whatever. But that's what happened with this guy. He was telling all his friends. I didn't know. Right. So I said, it's a bit weird. You know, I've done like, I've had the, I I mean, I call the the chapter gay week in my um, book. And so everybody, everybody called me that week was gay. Which is, you know, it's unusual. And at the end of the week, someone turned to me and he said, I, I, I understand you're mining the pink pound. <laughs> and I said, what? No, you know, I don't, not deliberately, but, you know, I, yeah, I have had quite a lot of calls from gay people. And he, and he said, well, yeah, you're being recommended on Grinder." And I was like, really? Oh, my God. That's <laughs> quite funny. What a great community to get involved yeah, in. It was great. The, yeah. It was absolutely great. And, and my son's gay. 
you know, and I, I have a bit of a thing about plumbers being sort of pigeonholed as being quite, you know, homophobic and a bit, you know, that sort of thing. Tradies it's, in general yeah, get pigeonholed like that. Yeah, and it's, it's, and it's not true. I'm not like that at all. Wasn't one house full of dildos? Yeah. Well, yeah, or just pictures, just pictures and everything. I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, it was quite freaky. I thought I'd gone into a sort of gay porn set. <laughs> But it wasn't. It wasn't at all. He it was just. Um, it was just this guy. He was American, actually. I had to go in and fix his shower. He'd, his landlord called me to say that he'd had to leave, and but he'd had to leave the shower on. So could I go in and sort it out? So I did. And when I went in, I've never seen anything like it. Yeah, it kind of freaked me out to tell you the truth. But actually, when I went, I had to order. I had to turn the water off to that shower. And, and then, you know, I had to order a part and then went back to fix it. And he was there. And actually, he was a really nice guy. He was really, really nice guy. If you go into people's houses, you have, it's interesting, you know, you have a unique insight into how people live. That's it, isn't it? Because just, just when you were saying that, it suddenly dawned on me that you kind of assume that everyone's house is similar. Yeah, no, it's not at all. Not as similar to my house anyway. Mm. You know, like Sophie, the was she the former, yeah, former supermodel? Yeah, yeah. Well, she was a model. I don't know if she was a supermodel, but but she was very highly strung, and her husband was leaving her, and she was, oh, she was in a mess. Really, she was actually very, very intelligent and incredibly entrepreneurial. Her husband, who was a bit of a prick, really, was he? He was. I didn't like him at all. Um, I hardly had anything to do with him, really, apart from that. He was paying me, but he was, you know, they were splitting up. It was a complicated setup, um, and she was going to get the house. He was going to go and live abroad. You know, he'd, he'd made a load of money. and um, He'd been cheating on her. I think he'd been cheating on her, yeah, with his personal trainer. Cliche. Uh, yeah. So she basically asked me to, she was going to get the house. So what she wanted to do, she wanted to sort of turn it into a going concern, make some money out of it. Um, it was a big house. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big house, made a veil. I went there to go and fix her toilet, literally. And I came away with basically, I was going to renovate most of her house. I was going to build her two bathrooms. I was going to build, turn a box room into an office. I was going to, you know, it, it was a much, much bigger job than what I went to do. I mean, that's what she wanted me to do. She wanted me to help her turn this house into something that could make her some money. And one of those things was to create a Botox studio, which I'd never heard of. I didn't know what Botox was. When was this? So I think that was probably 2006. Okay. Something like It was a long time ago. So this is really early days. Yeah. Most, most people wouldn't have known what Botox no, is then. No, I didn't. I had no idea. But because she'd been a model and she was in that... You know, she kind of did, and she'd seen the kind of change. Anyway, she thought there was a market for it. So she got me to build this room, which is kind of weird. It was had like a day bed in it, and it had this kind of dental unit, which had a sink and a fridge, and it was kind of, you know, I was like, it's a bit weird, in, in this little box room thing. Building some bathrooms for her as well. And she was turning the top floor of her house into this kind of, uh, it was like a, uh, she she asked me to put a bathroom into a bedroom on the top floor and she was going to turn it into kind of a, like a mini flat for people who just had cosmetic surgery. Oh. I didn't know it at the time, but she'd had quite a lot of cosmetic surgery. <laughs> I mean, she she had quite a face, didn't move much. Anyway, so she she had this idea. She was going to help people after they'd had surgery 
so that they could come and live in her house and she would help them so that they didn't have to stay in hospitals and they, and they didn't want to go home to their husbands or, you know, wives or whatever, you know. And so that's what she did. She was setting up this kind of business to do that. So that's what happened. So we were building that when we, we'd finished the Botox studio and then suddenly all these women started turning up, you know, and then they were queuing up. They really were, they, you know, Friday especially, like, oh my God. You know, there was loads of them. And we didn't know what it was that she was doing. She hadn't told us that's what she was doing. All It's quite funny. All the trades people were like, you know, what's going on? You know, one of them thought, you know, Big Pete thought she was dealing drugs. And I think Fee thought she was like running hookers. <laughs> she wasn't doing anything like that because these women would turn up. They'd disappear off into this room, right, for like 20 minutes, half an hour. And then they'd come out wearing big hats and sunglasses and disappear. It was kind of weird. She like wrecked up the cost though, didn't she, for you? Well, I mean, she hated her husband. She hated her husband. So she basically got her husband to pay me for when, for the renovation of her house. Um, and he wasn't too happy about that. So she just went and got the most expensive things on yeah, the market. Yeah, pretty much. So the bill was a bit higher than he thought. <laughs> Which I think made her happy, actually. What's the most common thing that you have to fix that people could probably do themselves? Taps. Really? Probably. Probably taps. I mean, now, it used to be, I mean, it's not really like this anyway. It used to be changing tap washers. Right? I mean, it's dead easy to change a tap washer. Um, but you, people have got a fear of plumbing. They're just, you know, if, you, if you've never been there, you're just terrified of it. You know? Yeah, well, listen to your story about the ice thing. Yeah, you're like, well, exactly. I, I get wanna... it. I totally get it. Yeah. I mean, of course. Right? And, you know, and it is possible. I have, have, I've had loads of people who've tried to fix things. And have then called me in a panic because they've messed it up. Isn't one of the most important things to do if you're going to do some plumbing, know how to turn the water yeah, mains off. That's so right. find that bit first. Yeah, that's it. Just in case it does go wrong, you can go that's and turn it. it off. Well, you've got to turn it off usually to do whatever you're going to do anyway. Uh, right. So you've got to know how to do that. Um, so, yeah, you need to know that. That's the first thing. And so, yeah, once you've done that, changing the tap washer is dead easy. You know, mm. Take it apart take the washer off, put a new one on, put it back together. That's it. But now, funny enough, it's, it's a bit different from that now because the tap, the tap manufacturers have kind of caught on to that. So what they do now is they, they make cartridges. That's why, if you, know, if you notice now, all taps are like quarter-turn taps. So you just turn them a little bit and they come on. And that's because inside of there is a cartridge, right? And that cartridge is sort of, it's got built-in obsolescence. It will break after a certain amount of time. And the tap manufacturers know that, right? Now, people can't change that cartridge because they don't know where to get that cartridge from. So the tap manufacturers are deliberately giving us well, shit I think, I think they are, yeah. I mean, personally, I mean, my, in my own house, I still have taps which are, you know, have washers because they're easy to change. But if you, most people, most new taps have quarter-turn cartridges in them can you ask a plumber when you're putting in taps to go can you make sure this tap has washers not yeah. cartridges yeah. yeah you could most people don't do that because most people when they when they're making the decision on what taps they're going to have they don't think about how it works they think about how it looks 100 percent. so they don't go they go oh i like that you know it's got a thing that you just lift up and move that way for hot and that way for cold right they don't think that oh that means it's got a cartridge in it and when that cartridge goes 
I'm going to have to get a plumber in to fix it because he's the only person who's going to know where to get that cartridge from. Oh, that is some good intel. See, that's what we do on this podcast. We not only tell stories, we give people a little bit of information that can help them with their lives. Oh, there you go. Your book, Pipe Dreams, is out now. Where can people get it? Yeah, so it's out It's out now. Um, it's available in all good bookshops. Yeah, it's available Waterstones, Hatchards, all of the good bookshops. All the independents, hopefully, too. Um, it's on Amazon. Yeah, that's it. It's a bit of a dream come true, really. Congratulations. It's a great book. It oh, really is. You. It's full of good stories. And t- yeah. took me back to the building site when I was working as a tradie, uh, working okay. as a labourer for yeah. about five minutes. Yeah. Before I worked out, I wasn't tough enough for it. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. That's all right. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for listening. If you could do me a massive favour, it really does help. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 